You know, sometimes when I really think about it, I believe we are the Black Mirror. Oh my gosh. Wow. We are the Black Mirror in secret, actually. It is us. It's us. It's been us all along. Yep. That's what happens when you hold up that black mirror to society. When you hold up the black mirror, you find it is you who is in the glass of it. Mm. I feel like in many ways, when I look into a mirror, I see me. You see yourself? Yeah. And if, <laughs> if the mirror is black, I see me in the mirror that is black as well. It doesn't matter what colour the mirror is. That's what Michael Jackson sang about. <laughs> not that we should name drop him too often. Maybe not. I was walking past a vintage shop near my home. Or no, maybe it was a, yeah, or it was like a, a shoe store. I don't know, something. And they had a Michael Jackson Moonwalker VHS like tape box Ooh. in the window display. And I'm like, did you forget? Or you're just not thinking about it? Here's the trouble with selling uh, a thing like that, a tape like that, is it can be in mint condition, but if you were to stick it up, stick it up on eBay, you could not claim it aged well. <laughs> oh, brewers. No, it's, it's like literally just an empty, the empty cardboard sleeve sitting in their window. <laughs> As like part of a dis, you know, not even really a display. It's just kind of sitting there on its side. <laughs> so very half-assed. Just the just the case. Yeah, just the cardboard sleeve. If say you've got like a a soft cell VHS that you want to up the stakes of. <laughs> yeah, just slip it right in. Yep. I've got this soft cell VHS, but people will think it's a Michael Jackson tape. That way, I've got one over on the system. <laughs> It is I who have him blackened the mirror of society. Do you know my idea for a, a Black Mirror plot? What's that? By the way, welcome to the spin-off Doctors with Jim Sterling and oh, Conrad yeah. Zimmerman. We're actually talking about a Black Mirror episode today. Um, one of a few we could do one on in future, but uh, we're doing Bandersnatch. But here's my plot for a Black Mirror episode, right? Right. It is nearly the future. You... The, a person played by, I don't know, someone off Game of Thrones probably, is wandering down Target, the shop where you can buy things from Target. They go down the aisle where there is all the stupid nerd shit like Harry Potter wand-shaped keychains or a glass with I am the one who knocks printed on it. Hmm. And they come across the Funko Pops. There are Funko Pops for everything. Sure. Rick and Morty. Uh, Back to the Future, um, Cool Runnings, Wrestlers, Sports Figures, Presidents, Dead or Alive. Hang on, please tell me there are not Cool Runnings Funko Pops. I don't know, probably. In, in this Black Mirror episode there is, because that is that is the, the driving plot, is they look down on the shelf and they see there, nestled in, among all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Funko Pops that are different from the Marvel comic book Funko Pops, they see a Funko Pop of themselves. Black Mirror. All right, two things. I've seen too many, I've seen entirely too many Black Mirror episodes because I did in the back of my mind expect that that was where this was going. Oh yeah, it's it's perfectly predictable. That's why I like it yep. so much. It, that's a great black mirror. That's the that's the the outline. But the what other if thing you is, is the Funko Pop? There is someone has made a custom cool runnings uh Funko Pop of There Sonka. we go. So 
There'll be an official one eventually, because that's the plot. That's the plot of my Black Mirror episode called Funko Pop, where Funko Pops... Pop goes the Funko. Pop goes the Funko. That's great. Yeah, that's what we'll call it. Um, I'll take credit for that one. And, yeah, it's all yours. <laughs> and um, yeah, they've they've made pop Funko Pops of everything. And they've run out of pop culture. And then they move on to just everyone. And then everyone finds themselves Funko Popped. And there's nothing they can do about it because of some laws. And they don't come alive or anything. They're just... No, no, they just... It's just... Vi- How violated would you feel? If you were popping along the Funko Pop shelf and you're like, Venom, Gus Fring, Gus Fring in a different suit, Gus Fring, <laughs> manky looking. Uh, oh shit, it's me. And you know you know they got the data from Facebook. Absolutely. Of course they did. Facebook, which is run by the NSA government. <laughs> oh. That is the kind of paranoia that we're talking about well, with Bandersnatch. Absolutely. Though. Ooh. Yeah. Big old thunder happening in the background. There's going to be a bit of noise. The electrician's back, um, or at least will be coming back to do my, finish off my lights, fingers crossed. And apparently every time he comes, there's also a storm. <laughs> there's also a storm. That's a little ominous, isn't it? If, if I don't want to talk about him... While he's there. With fear of him coming back. But uh, at some in one of the podcasts on this feed, I will at some point talk about Mississippi's most talkative electrician. Um, <laughs> to the point where not even trying to get home before a tornado hits will stop him. Um, talking about a third of the angels in heaven turning on God. That was a topic that lasted two hours. It didn't stop when I got up and left the room, which I did to see if he'd stop but I won't get on about him. Uh, the point of today's podcast is to remind us that we all are the Funko Pops. And also Black Mirror happened. And and, and we have no control. No control. We, we can't decide for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Free will is an illusion. What we are and what we do. We only get to choose between two different types of cereal and two different songs. <laughs> and let's face it, no matter how many times you play, you're always going to pick the same song, the one you like. I mean, I, that's, yeah. And I think the thing that was most immediately apparent to me in watching, quote-unquote, Bandersnatch uh, was how it just sort of lays bare game design. Yeah. And, and, and narrative design in games. Like, looking at it from someone who plays a shit ton of games, video games themselves, their narratives aren't generally more complicated than this. Really? Not really, no. Um, funny enough, people people made fun of, of God of War's design document when they said that they uh, they had a list of things uh, that they wanted to hit with their narrative, such as son and dad. And people laughed at how rudimentary it was, but that is sort of game narrative design. Yeah. Is you choose the keywords and, and set them out and then write the narrative around it. I mean, everyone, most people, I will say, agree that God of War's narrative, the newer one, was excellent. Sure. So for them to make fun of fun of the design um, intentions, just saying we wanted to hit the theme of dad, is a little silly considering that they turned that into something very interesting. And you look at Bandersnatch, which is not a typical TV show. It's one of these Netflix 
practically a choose-your-own-adventure type of deal. Um, you've you've sent me a flowchart that was. Did you do this or was this a Reddit? One? No, this was done on Reddit. Right. Reddit did a flowchart. Reddit did a flowchart. Yeah, I did not. And it <laughs> and it looks not not exactly rudimentary because by the time it got to the latter half, I tuned out and I just can't look at all these boxes and and things. Yeah, I mean it's it spreads out. It 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 does go in directions. Like there's a lot of little choices. And some of them amount to things, and a lot of them don't really amount to much, but they're there. Um, but a lot of them are straightforward binary choices that, on their own, are not that complex. No. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's uh, Bandersnatch is, I think, technologically and and on a technical level, very impressive. Um, I, I th- appreciate the way the scenes are shot, to especially when the choices come up to bleed together and make it feel cohesive. And that's not easy to do, to get performances that, you know, will match up consistently time and time again. Sure, um, yeah. It's, that's remarkable. I think the cast is great. Um, it is a Black Mirror episode. And that comes with good and bad. Um, in some senses, I think think Bandersnatch is occasionally pretty much reveling in its own cleverness. Oh, that's that's a few Black Mirror episodes. And that's what I'm saying. That's a very Black Mirror thing to do. And I'll say I love Black Mirror. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Charlie Brooker. I became a huge fan of Brooker when uh, Nathan Barley came out. Uh, Nathan Barley is an... Which um, you've talked up several times yeah. and I still have yet to watch. Oh, you'd love it. I think you specifically would really like it. Um, it's like a lot of Brooker's work. It's it's all based in you know commentary, social commentary, and all that. And that one, yeah, that that one goes into sort of emergent online culture and, and trendsetters and uh, the pretensions that go into that, and the pretensions of people who hate it as well. Uh, the main character Dan Ashcroft is a a writer who reached a level of, of, of fame by writing an article, an article called Rise of the Idiots, which the people he hate most, the titular idiots, love the most because he loves how they're sticking it to the morons while they then obliviously do the moronic thing he was criticising. Mm-hmm. But the show details how Dan Ashcroft is himself a giant fucking idiot because he's too smug and assured that he isn't one. Right. That he, you know... Goes off on his own own stupid path, yeah. Yeah. And the the title character, Nathan Barley, is the embodiment of everything Dan Ashcroft hates. Um, Pretentious, shallow, no substance, all branding, like he's a human brand. Um, Shows off a phone from Europe with a gigantic number five and tiny buttons everywhere else because five's the most used number. <laughs> it's it's so fucking, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, I was a huge fan of Brooker from that. Uh, Black Mirror I came to a, a little later than everyone else. Um, I just didn't get round to it. But once I did watch it, I devoured the whole thing. Um, 15 Million Merits is like someone turned the themes of the Jimquisition into a dystopian TV show. Yep. Um, everything I rail against with microtransaction culture and, and triple capitalism, as I call it, it's all condensed into a, a heartbreaking episode. By far, even though that was like the second one, still my favourite one. 
Um, love that one. Um, and there are some, you know, like the Waldo experiment, which people, you know, reference today with today's political situations. Which I didn't think was that great, honestly. Of the, you didn't like that one. I liked it fine, but I think of the uh, episodes in that first series, that was probably the one I enjoyed the least, mm-hmm. you know, or, or found the least in, enjoyable to watch. Um, it felt very sort of, I don't know, obvious. Um, but I do like the show a lot. Um, and And a lot of people... Don't like it post Netflix taking on the production. Um, and I get that it is, it does feel different, it feels softened, and yeah. I think that there are fewer high points in it. But that Star Trek episode had Jimmy Simpson in it, and Jimmy Simpson is the shit. And I liked that Star Trek episode a lot, it was good. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot, yeah. Um, and I was, I think that I, I think that by this point, Black Mirror knows its audience enough. That the way they presented that episode, I had expectations about Black Mirror and what it was doing, and then turning him that character, that main character, and revealing him as quickly as they did, and saying, "No, fuck you, you don't know what we're doing." I was like, "Okay, all right, that's good." Yeah, "Shut Up and Dance" is an amazingly dark episode, nightmarish. Just that is that one horrifies me, and the kid is. Chilling, yeah, yeah. I think he's playing a a, a creepy character in a, a a Netflix original series called. I, th- I think he's the one in the end. I think it's called the End of the World or something, about a someone who either is or wants to be a serial killer, going on a road trip with the person he was planning to kill. Um, it seems like a fascinating thing, and I may have got the plot wrong because I only looked at the trailer and I'm only half remembering it. But it's on my list of things I want to watch. Black Mirror, I think, is at its best when it stays grounded I think right right um and like so shut up and dance is a phenomenal example of it if it's sort of staying in uh, a real sense of reality crocodile is another one that I mean that's really just a dramatic play by oh yeah 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 and I that one just creeps me the hell out um I love um it's it's a bit more high concept but I, I really like nosedive um, mostly because I use Uber a lot and I realized that my ability to get picked up and other people's ability to pick me up is based on star ratings, mm-hmm. um, which of course is true in many businesses now. So that one I find quite evocative. Um, and th- hang the DJ I found just utterly charming. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait, 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 going to, speaking of nosedive, I mean, we're also in a, a culture now where, um, you know, not, not just call-out culture, although that is a thing, but, I mean, it's it's so easy to see a point where we exile people from society uh, on the basis of perceived behavior, and that's uh, challenging, I think. Uh, but yes, um, yeah. San Junipero, again, is, is another one that... That was the... That was the show's Oscar moment. Yeah. And it was it was nonetheless very, very good. I mean, it's a it's probably seen as the classic Black Mirror episode for a reason. Which I don't I don't I mean, I think it's a great episode, but I think it is also not a I think it's atypical of 
Black Mirror. Like, it's the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, that may have played some part into it being such a... Because it, its tone is so much more hopeful than the other ones. And it is mm-hmm. just a a bit like Hang the DJ as well, just a way more heartwarming than the other ones. Yeah. Um, which just makes it a, a, a really good episode. Um, there are weak ones. That one... There's one that we... Actually, the other two that we could feasibly do on this show are two of the weaker ones. Yeah. The the VR one, which I can't even remember the name of, and the the army one, like soldiers fighting a... I think there was some sort of augmented reality thing there that could feasibly make it part of this. But it's... I only watched it the once, and I don't remember being anything but relatively bored by it. Yeah, I didn't uh, particularly care for either of those episodes. Uh, yeah. That's the gamble of an anthology. Yeah. Um, there's another very good British anthology show while we're talking them that I just want to give a quick plug to called Inside Number Nine, which um, the general conceit is that it takes place at a number nine address somewhere in the UK. And that has ranged the gamut from... like like They're mostly sort of comedy drama horrors. And they're made by the people who... Um, two members of the League of Gentlemen, of which Mark Gatiss of Sherlock and Doctor Who fame was a member... Um, there's a comedy sketch group that a lot of their humor was aged poorly because they were sort of very turn of the millennium in Britain, which involved a lot of trans jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, their Inside Number Nine show is incredible. It's an anthology series that often comedy dramas with horror elements, sometimes just straight up horror, sometimes straight up comedy, always with a really good twist in. Season one is very good. Season two is incredible. Um, I highly recommend that. It's like on Amazon now. If if you've got a BritBox subscription, it's part of that. But I think you can get them bespoke. Um, just while we're here, I can't plug that show enough. It's really good. Hmm. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for it now, and I'm seeing an image of Pauline. And is Pauline in this um, at any point? Because I'm always down for more Pauline. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. I can't remember right. the exact specifics, but um, That's fine. That's you're looking fine. at the Wikipedia. Yeah. Let me see what the picture is. I'm trying to remember what the. I mean, it's just it. it the caption suggests that you know it, it could just be. Oh well, we just want a photo of Pemberton. Oh right. The, yeah. 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 Um, no, she's not in it. Okay. All right. Well, that's still. I'll, I'll yeah, still it's watch. not a League of Gentlemen connected thing. Well, we're talking about anthologies. Have you watched any of that Twilight Zone? No, I haven't yet. No, I. I I should probably. I watched the first one, um, and it's it was free on YouTube. Uh, I don't know if it's still up there, um, but it if it is, you can go watch it. And it stars Camille Nanjiani as a stand-up comedian who uh, gets some advice about his craft from a you know a comedian who has sort of disappeared off the scene who just pops up at the bars, played by. Um, uh, what's his name from 30 Rock? Tracy Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, you know, you need to get personal with your act so that people will connect with you. But just remember when you put, when you give those things to the audience, they're no longer yours. So he gets up on stage and he s- starts out with this terrible Second Amendment bit that he carries throughout the entire fucking show for some reason, despite knowing it doesn't work. And then starts talking about his dog. And he gets all these laughs and then goes home and his dog no longer exists and never did. Hmm. Yeah. And so you could see sort of where it might go from there. And it's not bad. 
Um, it's not great. It's pretty good. And that's the if everything I'm hearing from other people who have watched more Twilight Zone than that are getting the same impression, which is kind of a shame because I it didn't feel like Jordan Peele uh, finding things that would fit his milieu that well. Right. It's fine. Um, I'll probably watch the rest of it just because I like this kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, not convinced. He's good in it, though, is the thing. I like seeing Jordan Peele come on screen and do Rod Serling impression. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. I just don't know. The, eh. But again, anthologies are always hit and miss. And there are going to be some that aren't great. I'm working on an anthology series myself. Yeah? Yeah, it's called Soft Dick Smear. <laughs> the conceit is every episode ends with someone having to smear their soft dick on someone or something. I mean, talks to get this guy to host it. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're, they're called uh, Jonathan. Jonathan. They were on this old series called uh, Road Rolls on MTV. Um, specifically, the fifth season, Northern Trail. Uh, I really like the way he wore his baseball cap on backwards, and I think mm. every episode he should star as a different person wearing a backwards baseball cap that has to end the episode by smearing their dick soft on someone or something. I am. I think if he hears me out on that, I reckon it will be a great show, and we'll get like a Netflix I, deal. I think that'd be a yeah. big hit. Yeah, Netflix would snap that up in a second. I mean, they're spending billions on content every year. Mm-hmm. It's that's a shoe in. Oh no, that that dog is on fire. I better soft dick smear the flames out. <laughs> well, and then eventually we could get our choose your own uh, adventure style Netflix show. Starring Jonathan. John Dersnatch. John Dersnatch, where, you know, you have to decide the, you know, do I smear my dick on this or do I smear my dick on that? Yeah. <laughs> you have to find a path to make it soft. Do I smear my soft, soft dick on this Thompson Twin CD or not? <laughs> oh, dear. Boston's Favorite Son. It's available now on iTunes. It it's is. Great, it's a great comedy podcast said someone probably once said there are 29 reviews of it on various uh itunes platforms saying that it is good yeah except for one that says jonathan's audio sucks yeah well (laughs) they suck should we talk about bandersnatch yeah let's do that so here we have this uh character Stefan he is a amateur game designer who wants to be a professional game designer he has this obsession with this book that he's developing into a game version called Bandersnatch and it's a choose your own adventure book and he's sort of recreating that in video game form And then we, as the viewer, are, shall we say, invited at points to direct Stefan in various decisions that he makes. I watched slashed played Bandersnatch with my friend Flannel. Mm -hmm. Um, We we basically took turns making choices. 
and would occasionally berate the other if if they made the quote-unquote wrong choice, while arguing whether or not a Netflix choose-your-own-adventure could constitute a video game. Um, that's how we experienced Bandersnatch, just, just to give the listeners at home a nice idea of, of how I would watch a choose-your-own-adventure show. Well, I, I had to take two different approaches to it when I watched it. When I first watched it, which was right at the time of release and everyone was all hopped up on it, uh, I start watching, start watching, you know, and first you get the choice between the cereals, the sugar uh, puffs or the Frosties. And then you get the choice in the music, the Thompson Twins or the now that's what I call music. And you know, he goes to the office and meets with Colin. And, and of course, I am playing this to type. I'm playing this as I think Colin, or as I think Stefan would react to these situations based on what I know about him. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a role player. That's, that's what I do. And it got to the point where, you know, okay, I do the loop where he says, yes, I'll make the game at the software development studio. And I know in my head that the story is not going to want that because that's not compelling. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's not that interesting. And it immediately illustrates that... There should have been a storyline thread where all the choices lead to things being generally fine. Like, acceptable. Yeah, just, I've got a decent job. Mm-hmm. It, it pays okay. It's not, I'm not super rich, but I'm not going begging. It's all right. I have arguments with my girlfriend here and there, but it's generally fine. Yeah, didn't have to make it complicated. But, you know, they cut... Black mirrored. They cut directly to that, oh, well, it, you know, it was not good. So yeah. go start again. And you can say yes as many times as you want and do that loop over and over again. Uh. But, it, you know, eventually it forces you down that path of, no, Colin's going to do it on his own. Or Stefan's going to do it. I keep saying Colin. Classic video game railroad. Yeah, it does. It railroads you down that path. And and that was fine for me. I sort of understood that, and I got mm-hmm. it. And I was like, oh, that's very clever. Okay. And then it moves on to uh, the seed with the first seed with him meeting with his psychiatrist. Uh, the and, and he's explaining how he feels like he wanted to say yes, but something made him say no, and he doesn't know what that is. There's two significant things that I realized immediately upon watching this scene. One is that Dr. Haynes is played by Alice Lowe, mm-hmm. whom I love from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Absolutely. Fantastic. She, is phenomenal, also plays a doctor in that. Um, She's got one of the best lines in the first episode, where the what what you think is the funny line is is where Matt Berry's going, he, he, his first line of, I'm Dr. Sanchez, you're a woman. And she comes back with, yes, I hope that's all right. It's <laughs> just such a well-fucking-done line. She's great in that. She's great in um, Hot Fuzz as well. Mm-hmm. I watched a movie starring her called Prevenge, which had a great concept of a baby in a, a sort of in the womb making the woman do terrible things. Huh. Um, and it was positioned as a comedy horror, but it just ended up not being funny or scary. Mm. 
Um, it's a shame because she's she's really good in it mm-hmm. and she's she's terrific. But uh, yeah, but it's it's at this point where uh, why is this? This is weird. Okay, <laughs> so the flowchart that I'm looking at. Yeah, which by the way we we were talking about it at the beginning, but I do have to point out Bandersnatch is a redditor's wet dream. It really is. You can just break it down into flowcharts. You can dissect it piece by piece. But what you can't apparently do is be consistent about Stefan's name versus Colin's name. Uh, they screwed this up a few times in here, and it's fucking a little bit with me. And this is why you, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but so Stefan expresses this idea that he, you know, felt compelled to make this choice. And that's when I checked out on on Bandersnatch on the first viewing. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. This show wants to make me complicit in tormenting this character. Gotcha. And I'm not willing to do that. I've played Spec Ops, right? And I know that I can check out. And I know that I can check out because I'm watching this on my computer. And I have realized that the way that the choice system in Bandersnatch functions on a visual level, it raises up, it sort of narrows the field of vision uh, on the uh, horizontals from the bottom. It just sort of lifts up and then displays your choices. But you can obscure that. And so I took a uh, notepad window and positioned it over the Netflix window in my browser to cover up the fact that choices were even shown to me at all. So I didn't know when choices happened because of the way that they had shot it seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And because there is a timer on it, it will eventually make a choice for you. And so you can conceivably opt out and just let it run its course. Ah, you see, now I think Bandersnatch completely sucks because I don't want an easy mode like that in my game. <laughs> Some fucking Star Fox Zero Zero difficulty one-handed bayonet of bullshit. You've cheated not only the Bandersnatch, Conrad, but yourself. You didn't learn. You didn't grow. <laughs> it's interesting because th- now viewed from a certain perspective, right? This is the canon path. That is true, yeah. It is the one that the designers determined would be the route, the default route that the story would take. Um, and I like that idea. Because it's it that, that, to me, in a lot of ways, is as interesting as the free will versus control conversations that the series is trying to talk about because on a on a further metatextual level now we can have a conversation of authorial intent and narrative and you know that not only is there no choice there is a set path that for reasons known only to the developers of the story and the writers is the one that they decided is the way things go when the player makes no decision. Mm-hmm. And it makes no fucking sense, by the way. None. 
Like it, uh, it actually winds up going the Netflix. This is a production. You're an actor route. Hmm. Uh, that is sort of a early midpoint exit from the the story. One of the first. Uh, it, it's a fairly early stub. Maybe that's on purpose then. Maybe it's like if you don't make the choices, fuck you, you get something stupid. Well, yeah, I think I think to some extent that that is. And it'll continue on from there, and it'll run through other multiple routes, but the first one that it lands on is, well, this is, you know, you were supposed to jump, you weren't supposed to jump out the window, I think, or, or whatever. But it goes into the sort of stupid, over-the-top, ridiculous fight with the therapist scene, um, which is... A statement in itself. Yeah. And I think that all of that is, is really kind of interesting. Um, yeah, because we, we didn't get to stuff like the really out there stuff until long after we concluded most of the like actual story-based stuff. Because, you know, you can keep playing after you've hit what looks like a proper canon ending. And mm-hmm. we kept playing beyond that point and then found all the really out there stuff. Yeah, and there are quite a lot of endings to it and a lot of you know a lot of them are really benign and then some of them just venture off into really wild territory um and what i one of the things i really appreciate about bandersnatch is its lack of subtlety um because right from the very beginning the the show wastes no time in in trying to establish things that are going to be important in certain paths, but not all. Mm-hmm. And some things that are going to be very important in all paths. Um, for example, the very first time you see uh, Stefan's father, he's coming out of the bedroom and locking the bedroom door. And they spend the time and focus to frame him so that it, you very clearly see him do it. And he does it in a very mechanical but he's clearly keeping something from his... There's so much intrigue presented in that one quick shot when you're looking, you're like, that's that's weird. And then when he's putting out his cigarette in the ashtray for the first time, and it is center of frame, and it lingers on it for the whole time he's putting out that cigarette, the dog appearing right away. Those three things that sort of establish the arcs that end with Colin killing his father out of suspicion or paranoia are all firmly established right at the very beginning. And I think that's really effectively done. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and then there's little things too that, uh, like, very clever and smart. The Frosty Sugar Puffs thing has a minor effect later on when he gets the VHS tape with the... Oh, and he gets those, sh- those sugar burps. And he just can't stop burping, and he's like, it tastes of sugar, it tastes of sugar. If only I'd have had the other cereal, that I can't remember what it was, Frosties. Then I could have had Frosty Burps, which are way better. But you see the you see an ad for the cereal that you chose um, preceding the documentary. Um, that's all stuff I like. Which is a, a Black Mirror statement on targeted ads on Facebook. It really is. It's it's layers, layers and layers to this. Black mirrored. Targeted ads are creeping me the hell out. Yeah. I ordered something the other day, and the day after the delivery, I started seeing ads for the thing I I just bought, which 
Seems weird for targeted ads to serve up products I just got and therefore don't need. But it creeps me the hell out. And then when I screenshot articles to put in my videos, I have to crop out the ads so that n no one knows the dildos I'm buying. So, this is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of directions that it goes. What's your favorite path that it, it, it sort of goes down? <sighs> um, the path where you get to see a monster. Oh, the, the one where Pax shows up and, and stabs him in his bedroom. I just like the monster. I, the, the Netflix self-referential stuff, I'm, yeah, not wild about. I will admit, I will admit, when Netflix came up as one of the choices and it was the Netflix logo, in stark contrast to all the other choices that had just been in a, the same font type. Yeah. I did like that. Yeah. That gave it a bit of a holy shit gravitas moment. Yes. And 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 I don't think one of the interesting I'd love to see God, I would love to see their data. Could you imagine the wealth of statistical data they have accumulated based on these choices? Oh, no doubt. No doubt Bandersnatch has itself in a in a rather Black Mirror esque way proved a valuable weapon for data gatherers. Mm. But I would just, I would love to see... I mean, they now know how many people like the Thompson twins who also oh use Netflix. <laughs> now they know whether or not they should do a documentary on the Thompson twins or the Now That's What I Call Music album series. <laughs> oh, I would watch a documentary. I've always been curious about the Now That's What They Call Music. I make it, I'm, I made a that as a joke but i probably would if there's a story there yeah I'm... like like what what made such a popular music compilation album the powerhouse it is today is it still do you think i mean maybe not today but when i was a kid yeah was... now that's what i call music was the shit that was the thing it was the shit. yeah that <sighs> you knew you knew which songs had made it in the business because they were on that album but I would love to know the statistics on how many people, for the, f the first time they see the Netflix choice in the, you know, give me a sign sequence. I want to know how many people click that. What percentage of people click that? Yeah. It's 100%, by the way. <laughs> it is 100%. I can't remember what we did the first time. I mean, that's bait. That is perfect yeah. bait by that point. We probably did. I, I liked the, um, pretty much anything involving Colin, any route that, that involves him for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, Colin's an asshole. That actor's great though. I love actor's his performances. That, that's what I'm, I'm in it for. I, I was more intrigued by that stuff and the weird shit going on in his flat and the whole, you know, a bit of madness is what you need mantra and the tripping and all of that stuff. Um, I also, I think that's where we get to see a monster, but we might not. But but Will Will Poulter is he's got this amazing look to him, mm -hmm. very distinctive looking dude, um, and leverages that into some great performances. And the they do some just very very subtle psychedelic effects um, in that trip sequence. Uh, mm. The melting eyes thing is excellently. Uh, handled uh, uh truth be told 
that sequence is quite possibly the most realistic depiction of LSD use I have ever seen committed to, to film. Oh, yeah. Legitimately. Legitimately. That is as close as I have ever seen it to the reality. Uh, I can't speak to LSD. I can speak to similar things, but not LSD. Yeah, and it's... T- keep in mind that... If, if you're watching that from an objective viewpoint, what they're doing is not fun or cool. No, no, no. Just just throwing that out there. You know, I don't. it doesn't glamorize it in any way, which is nice. It doesn't yeah. uh, exaggerate it to some insane degree. Uh, it, it was, and, and generally it does wind up being just, you know, a few people in a room fucking talking about shit that maybe doesn't make a whole lot of sense in context or out of context. Yeah. That is an experience I can... Actually, I don't need any drugs to be able to speak to the experience of sitting around talking bollocks all night. Yeah. But but yeah, it's it's not a... I mean, even viewed from the outside, that's kind of what it would look like yeah. to people around oh, yeah. people tripping. Yeah. It's it's not a fucking yellow submarine style fun adventure. No. When 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 one uses drugs of that nature, and then it was interesting to see a, a way more grounded, um, you know, portrayal of that. Yeah. Unlike ones where people like take one puff, on a take one puff on a spliff, and suddenly they're having chats with the Beatles. It's not only that, like, things like um, the manner in which Colin offers the drugs to Stefan. Uh, you know, I've had that com- that conversation, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. literal conversation with people before taking LSD. Yeah. It, it is <laughs> just, just as the people who made this no video games they definitely know LSD yeah um and i found that to be really kind of interesting and colin's environment in his house is fascinating and has a lot of visual cues about things that bandersnatch is direct i mean they can't resist putting in a philip k dick reference in there um the suicide sequence is interesting but like I've known that Colin guy, uh, who you know you can tell Colin you don't want to take the drugs, but he just slips it in your coffee anyway. Yeah, Colin's a fucking prick. Colin's a dangerous man, who ultimately gets what he deserves. <laughs> that is not something you do to somebody. It's just fucking wrong. I don't care how much you think they need to be broken out of their uh, uh, box that they're in or, or whatever you you know want to... Uh, it's just dosing people is fucking yeah. unacceptable. That happened to me with just alcohol and that was shitty enough. Yeah. Um, when I was in college, that was shitty enough to say nothing of, of something way more harsh than alcohol. Yeah, it's... Ugh. And especially when it comes to hallucinogens, like, if you're not in the right frame of mind when you take them, you'll get fucked. Severely fucked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's something you have to choose for yourself at the time that is right for you. 
because otherwise you'll go to some horrible places. That's the entire point of that conversation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and people who have had the experience know to have that conversation with people who haven't. Mm-hmm. Is it's, or they're just assholes. Yes, exactly. If you're in a position to take LSD and someone doesn't have that conversation with you, leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... If conversations have been had and you fill your boots, not that we would ever condone anything ever. Nah, you you do you, but Yeah. You do you, but don't do other people without them saying you may do me. <laughs> Which is something I've learned from hanging out with this friend of mine called Jonathan of Road Rules. <laughs> is I'm wa- I'm waiting for that romantic day when he says do me. <laughs> uh so what uh, what didn't work for you in these paths? Uh, I want to say some of the wilder stuff was fun, but some of it felt just a bit too jarring. Like the fight with the therapist, it was sort of funny, but it also felt like at that point it was like, we're running out of weird things to do in a clever way. Let's just be stupid. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like it was bad, it, and and, and I, I think I even laughed at the time, but it's like one of them things where on reflection, I'm like, you know what, I don't think that worked too well. But that's interesting, because you saw it quite late in your experience of Bandersnatch. That is true. We had very relatively normal, I mean, we, you know, there were things like hallucinogens and seeing a monster, rawr, and all of that stuff. But it was all, it was grounded within Black Mirror convention. Right. Um, and then, yeah, once we hit the, it might have had something to do with the fact that I think the first or maybe the second ending we got was the one that seemed like the real proper one with the epilogue and everything and the hints that with the, the Netflix studios making, uh, yeah, the Bandersnatch based on, yeah. Yeah. That hint that the, whatever the Bandersnatch curse or whatever you want to call it is going to perpetuate. Um, with a new medium that and that was so well done to me that I think I then ruined everything that came after it because that felt like an an addendum Mm -hmm. unnecessary addendum Um, and I think that's what didn't work for me in the end was I I stopped I think we went through everything but I was close to quitting sooner because I was just exhausted by it by that point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is it is exhausting and it's a lot to take in um and it's so, it's so layered in its directions and its connections between each other. Like that, that is something that I really respect about it. Is that if you keep going down paths, it references paths you've already been on, and that all goes back to Colin's sort of multiverse theory of existence. Yeah. Um, and that so that all works pretty well and they they seem to have composed themselves a narrative framework that allows them to do almost anything that they want yes and that's that's interesting i really thought it was a great touch to that the designer of the netflix bandersnatch experience is colin's daughter yeah that's clever in a very black mirror clever kind of way um but I, I don't, I don't know. I, the approach to mental illness 
Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a little. It it's a history of the teeth thing. Yeah, the old. Mm, where you just make noises. Right. And that's another reason why, like, as I watched it happening, and I'm aware that choices that I, like, cause, as I said, I didn't make choices the first time I watched it, but I'm watching what I, I know choices have been made. And at points you could start to pick it up, because as it loops around, you start to see a lot of the same scenes over and over again. So it's not like you're completely blind to the fact that this is happening. Um, but it sort of becomes clear to me that I made the right call the first time yeah because there's a it doesn't it just doesn't it feels dirty uh i guess to i, I it wants me to experience joy and suffering i i feel like yeah and and watching him struggle with me when i don't want to struggle with anyone mhm it's one of those things that's tough to argue because the simple retort is, well, that's how it wants you to feel. And then it doesn't, but that doesn't change the fact that it still makes you feel shitty. Sure. So it's it's one of them weird things where it, it, it did exactly what it wanted to do, but that comes at the risk of what it's doing really not gelling with, with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I like this overall. Yeah. And I think it's, very, very well executed for what it is. But I don't know. The the I the the, the structure of this particular story I, I'm not I'm not gonna have this problem if I play the Bear Grylls, you know, Netflix thing that's out now. Oh I, I saw the trailer for that. It's me, Bear Grylls. You could decide if this spider eats my face. Which, um, that's fine, you know. I, I want to watch it, except I know that the wrong choices won't be as hilarious as I need them to be. Well, of course they won't be, but I'm more on board for that. It'll just be like, he'll be near a lion and he'll go, Ah, wrong choice, this would probably eat me. When I, I'm like, no, I want to see a, a lion eat Bear Grylls if I choose of course. that option of stick your head in the lion's mouth and kick it in the nuts. I want to see the lion. I'm imagining that's a choice. I want to see that. Right. I tell you who'd be a great person. <laughs> I'm actually going to save that idea for when we record on Friday. But Bill, Bear Grylls is on board. Oh, like, yeah. Bear, Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls, Bear Grylls is on it. board. He's always wanted to kick a lion in the nuts and have it eat his head. Stefan's not on board. That is true. He's not Bear Grylls. That's one thing that we need to make very clear. Yeah. Which I think we've needed to make clear in every podcast we've done, is that the main character of this, and Dead or Alive, and House of the Dead, and (laughs) Blood Rain, none of them are Bear Grylls. No. Bear Grylls is the star of Bear Grylls, Should I Kick It in the Dick or Not? A Netflix special. He's not the star of Blood Rain or indeed Bandersnatch. The program and control stuff. I was I was going to get onto that because um, I, I was looking over the flowchart again to remind me of things. And, and when you mentioned, is there anything that didn't work for me? Program and control, that whole thing... Was a, was a bit too cheesy for me. 
it doesn't feel particularly well earned, even though it has that, you know, like it tries to set it up with the father being semi suspicious. And um, one of the th- things I, I really give it credit for um, is when you do loop back to a section and it gives you a quick supercut of what you need to know up till then, they do a really good job of setting those up to be what is immediately going to be relevant in the future um, as opposed to like overloading you with a whole bunch of stuff or not giving you enough. That's really, really well done. Uh, But the program and control system things, while it all feels thematically connected, I just, it's so out of left field. While it, yeah, that's it. There's no flesh on the bones of that one. Yeah, and and I feel like that one. I mean, it's very similar to the uh, over the top nature of the no, you're an you're an actor in a Netflix show, per, uh, route. Like it's like okay, well, kind of where did this come from? Like all right, yeah, Dad's suspicious, but that's that's a bit much. Um, and you know, then the 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 suggestion that the uh, lost buddy mom, you know, wanting him to go with him, mom tragically dying, is all part of the experiment and set up on a sound stage. It's just like, yeah, this is this is kind of dumb. I think that's where I said cheesy. I think you you nailed it better when you said it hadn't been earned. Yeah, and I probably would have accepted it more and not found it. Um, as, as tacky as it was, if it was not literally tacked on, or at least didn't have the appearance of being so. And they're and they're trying to. Like, there are ways they try to connect it in, you know, because if you pronounce program and control system uh, verbally, it's you know as an acronym, it's PAX, which is of course the you know bad guy god in the Bandersnatch game. And yeah, okay, well that's all like. It's cute that you're threading it in there, but you didn't give enough of a sense of Colin feeling controlled by his father as opposed to being controlled by me. Unless I'm – am I in the program? Am I programming control system? I don't think so. They should have set this in the 2000s. So packs and packs could be the same thing. And it was the Penny Arcade control system. I'm sorry, is there an electrician in the background? Two, in fact. Okay. Okay, well, that's... Yeah, it's not... It's, that's good. That, it's that's not better. me this time, yeah. That's, that's better. Because <laughs> if it had just been one... If it hadn't been, I, I have no doubt <laughs> the situation wouldn't change. Okay. Is this good? Is Bandersnatch good? Is Bandersnatch good? <sighs> yeah? Yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which it's actually funny I should say that because that is one of the characters in Nathan Barley. Yeah. Surname is literally yeah question mark. <laughs> the guy's called Jonathan Yeah, had the question mark added by Deed Poll. Also one of the best characters in the show, Arthur Cock. But yeah, the, the, the answer to is bad as such good is Jonathan Yeah. Because it... I don't know if it was just so built up before I got around to it, because I watched it like a a couple of days after it had come out and everyone had sung its praises. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm already a big fan of Black Mirror, so I was expecting genius, um, or at least something very, very good. Uh, and I got something that I think is good. 
but I ultimately walked away from relatively impressed by the intricacies of it all. But at the same time, just a little bit unfulfilled. Like, like I didn't, I didn't find anything resident or, or long-term valuable in it to me and to the themes of, you know, something like 15 million merits has stuck with me ever since I've seen it. Thinking about it literally gives me the fucking chills. Bandersnatch is something that I, I it, it's not, it's not great enough that I feel compelled to do it again. I've seen it. I've seen its options. I've seen what it can do. And unlike other episodes of Black Mirror that I I return to, I think this will probably be the last time I talk about it. Yeah, you know, um, structurally it's impressive. And the performances are great. There is there's scenes that are really good. There's some writing that's really good. But as an overall whole, I walked away from it thinking, yeah, yeah, that was cool, and, and not a lot beyond that. So yeah, yeah, it's it is good. Not much more than that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. There are things that i really like about it um i look i i like physical uh metaphysical are we experiencing reality you you know how do we define reality is reality based solely on perspective these are questions that intrigue me on a fairly regular basis in art um and this is a well of course i mean you've already admitted to routinely dropping lsd at least twice a week <laughs> Oh man, if only. Mm -hmm. God. That would that'd help you deal with a lot. That would help me deal with a lot. Um I fear it would just compound my issues. But it's It is a lot. Yeah. I think. And I I I think it often takes the sort of black mirror out of yeah, well, we're just presenting you with ideas. You know, we're not necessarily saying anything because it's so interpretable, uh, and and there's everybody's experience is going to be so different, and there's going to be aspects of it that certain players, most players, will never ever experience. Uh, and I can give you an example right now because I'm looking here at this flowchart and seeing scenes described that I never saw. There is apparently a ending where the, um, the CEO at Tuckersoft goes and shows up at um, Stefan's house demanding the code and finds that he's you know, killed his father. And, and Stefan pulls a knife on him. Yeah, I'm actually looking at that box right now. I may not have seen that one. Any of these ones that require you doing the same thing a set number of times. I may have missed that one, yeah. Yeah, you have to go through a part of the loop three times. And I, I know I missed it. And so that's another interesting aspect of it is that not only will everyone have a different impression of 
Bandersnatch, it's impossible for people's experiences to be comparable. It's not, you know, it's not like a piece of uh, a film uh, or television that only, you know, it, it everyone has the exact same thing to assess. Yeah, yeah, you watch uh, any, pretty much any linear show and they expect most of their audience to be shocked by the shocking bits to laugh at the funny bits, you know. Yeah, yeah, everybody has the same foundation that, that to work off of. Nobody's going to have the same foundation here, which makes it really kind of difficult to assess. Um, and I, that's intriguing to me, that everybody's going to have a different opinion on it, and there's no possible way uh, that that you're really going to be thinking about yeah. exactly the same. It reminds me of, of trying to review games with procedural content, like procedurally mm-hmm. generated content. Um, that was an issue that came up, and I've been meaning to do... This is one of those Jimquisition topics that have been in my list for years um, that I've just never got around to. But I want to talk about the risks of procedural generation because of that, because you can have such wildly different experiences. And if you're not careful, you can end up with a situation in No Man's Sky where I'm saying... I, I, every planet I went on had the same looking fucking aliens on it, despite the promises otherwise that they'd all be different. Mm-hmm. They were all stupid squirrel headed fucks. And someone else is like, well, I never saw one of the same thing, the two of the same thing, rather. Um, <clears throat> I never had these issues you had. I never was bored in this way you were. And I'm like, well, that's probably because the, the procedure generated content in your favor. It didn't generate it in mine. So yeah, especially with video games and anything interactive, there's that risk of, of some experiences being better than others based simply on luck of the draw, or in this case, whether you went down a path that worked or not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it has to work within context as well. Like, maybe some of the situations that stand, stood out to me as jarring wouldn't have been jarring if earlier scenes I'd went through you know, had the stuff that established it. If you'd approached them from a different, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah, the routes you can take to even the same scene sometimes can affect how you process that scene. And, I mean, incredible respect for how successful it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is... That it worked so consistently to the point where even we're being a bit more cynical about it still have to admit it was entertaining yeah and 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 effectively composed in many many regards mm-hmm. uh, the 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 little touches that they have that they insert based on choices that you've made in the past that you know choices that you would have made in the future had you made a different decision and now you're going back making that different decision and seeing reflections of the other choices that you made come back into it that's really brilliant and and it, as you said before it is it is just reddit bait all over oh yeah and and if you are into digging into a mystery and a conspiracy theory and that sort of thing uh hmm. Yeah, you've definitely got that here. The the thing is, is that it, 
it doesn't have enough of a point of view for me, I feel, because of that, and it can't. And that is... I'm so sick of, well, I'm just raising questions from all of this type of media. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Have an answer. I don't have to agree with the answer. This is why I loved Nier Automata so much. One of the things I praised Nier Automata as a game narrative for was um, not only did it do the whole, that a lot of video games do, the whole, what is human condition? Are we peoples? All of that stuff, like what does it mean to be a human? What does it mean to have a life and value and all that? Um, what Nero Automata, where where Nero Automata went further than most other games, it didn't stop there. It actually explored answers to those questions, yeah. Which so many video games, especially, fail to do because game companies are terrified of commitment to anything other than promises made to shareholders uh, that they. They want to just they want they want to feel clever for dabbling in in higher concepts, but they're terrified to put a put a, a flag in any of it to actually have a stake in what they're exploring. Yeah, because they they could get called on it. That's something to criticize, you know, uh, on a on an intellectual basis, and they don't want to be cha- They don't want to be challenged. No. They want to play around. They basically they want to play on the same football pitch, but without kicking the ball, basically. Yeah, and and so that's where this sort of lands for me in a in a lot of ways. That I, <clears throat> it's off well and good, but I I've heard a lot of the questions, and I don't care if your answer's right or not. Just give me one. Give me your what you think. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just saying, shouldn't we all be thinking about this? Because a lot of us have been thinking about it for a long time. This was a fundamental misunderstanding of uh, the Junquisition I did on politics in video games, where a lot of people said, oh, he's demanding left-wing politics in video games. Not once did I ever do that. Mm-hmm. I was frustrated that left or right or whatever political belief you have, have the guts to own one of them in your game. Don't tell me the Division 2 isn't political when within the literally the first five minutes you're coming out in favour of gun control without trying to say it, trying to pose questions. When, when the outbreak started, did you have a gun? Did your neighbour? Some people survived. The people with the guns, but we, we're not going to... We're going to stop literally at some survived Yeah. while showing a picture of people holding guns. You fucking cowards. You cowards. Did I say in favour of gun control? I meant the opposite. If I, if I, if this were a band to snatch, I would go back and redo that. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, by the way, it did cross my mind that we could have done something clever with this podcast to have made it some sort of multi-format thing. But then I decided I could not be asked. Yes, that would be a lot of work. And and not a, there aren't like great tools for it. Like, it's now that uh, YouTube has done away with annotations. Yeah, they fucked that up. Yeah, they did. Uh, like, that's how we probably would have executed on something like this. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's gone now. And, and it would have been a lot of work that we wouldn't have wanted to do. I've seen fun choose-your-own-adventure YouTube videos made using annotations. They're all ruined now. Yep. All no gone. preservation of art here. Yep. It's a real bummer. 
And now everyone thinks Bandersnatch invented it. Well, it's that's the other thing too is that this is it isn't even the first uh, Netflix production. To no, it's not. This um, there is a Shrek Puss in Boots one. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, good. Good. I was worried there wouldn't be. I woke up this morning in a cold sweat, terrified. <laughs> terrified. I say that I was so sweaty last night. <laughs> I just remember being awake for five minutes in the middle of the night profusely sweating but then when i woke up again i was just bone dry it was fine i don't know what happened for five minutes last night i can't knock a performance in this though i will say oh yeah 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 the the acting superb everybody is great i Mm -hmm. i love the ceo at tuckersoft oh yeah yeah he's fantastic and the little details that they give him like you know he's Smokes Benson and Hedges and, you know, these little sort of 80s period affectations that he and other characters have that are, are just little things that really set it. Um, I'm sure you got a, a bit of, a, you know, W.H. Smith's um, flashback. Uh, I mean, that was that's my earliest gaming memory is is buying Dizzy Prince of the Yoke Folk. It's uh, W.H. Smith. At least the the first game purchasing memory. Yeah. I think my earlier ones go back to me sort of playing demo demo consoles in boots of all places, which is a sort of personal healthcare sort of place. For some reason, they had game systems hooked up. But yeah, W.H. Smith, back when they had uh, just shelves and shelves of cassettes with video games in them. That was something, children. And video mm. games came on cassette at one point. God, yeah. Uh, shove that up your ass. Oh, the load times on cassettes. <laughs> the load noises. <laughs> it was like it was like someone had made a parody of the dial-up sound. And it went on for ages as it very slowly loaded up a sort of a, an artwork for the game during the loading phase. I still remember getting halfway through Gremlins for the Commodore 64's loading screen. It got halfway through rendering a gremlin and it would never load beyond that point. Because we were one of those people that always got the cassette second hand, mostly. So we had a giant tarpaulin bag. Too heavy for one person to lift and it was full of game cassettes. Whoa. For Commodore, Spectrum and Atari, not Atari, um, Amstrad. Amstrad. Um, and at various points in my life we ended up with old, battered, second-hand versions of those systems. Um, and it was a crapshoot as to which ones would work. Sure. You know? um, and you couldn't tell from the outside of them because the ones that were clearly stained with bits of Coke and coffee, white cassettes turned nearly brown, could work. <laughs> and and the, the one that was as close to pristine as you could get from the interior of a dirty tarp bag um, might not have worked. Gremlins didn't work. Whizball worked. Whizball's a winner. Whizball's, Whizball's great. Should have been called Winball because it is a winner, Conrad Zimmerman. <laughs> That's a game that needs to be brought back. Bring that on the Switch. Remaster Whizball, put it on the Switch. I'll tell you what, right now, I would buy that for money. Yeah. 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 But anyway, Bandersnatch is a thing. It is a thing. You know, uh, one other casting note that we should probably uh, mention. Oh, it, John Lithgow playing the titular Bandersnatch. 
Uh, well, yeah, and he was fantastic, of course. Oh, but no, I was very actually, beautiful and such a talent. Such a talent. No, I was uh, thinking of uh, Jerome F. Davies, mm-hmm. um, which uh, who is performed by Jeff Mintner. <laughs> I have history with him. You have history with Jeff Mintner. Do you? What's your history with Jeff? Uh, he don't like me. Oh, okay. I think I made fun of him for one of his one of his more pretentious endeavors because he's he's very Jeff Mintner about the things he does. He is. And early in my career, I called him out on... I can't even remember now. Early in my career, I, I made fun of him for something. I was probably a dick about it because I was a wanton dick back then. I say he doesn't like me. I mean, he didn't like me. He'd probably ask him now and he'd probably be like, who the fuck is that? So I should say, I have a very brief uninteresting history with him. Well, and and he... Let's see, because, I mean, I remember him from way back, uh, like, uh, Attack of the Mutant Camels and Revenge of the Mutant Camels. That was one of the cassettes that worked. Mm-hmm. And I played that. I played those on my Commodore 64 way back in the day, and so mm-hmm. then uh, when he came along with... Um, oh, what was it? Space Giraffe. Space Giraffe. Space Giraffe. I was, you know, uh, I was, I was, I rec- it was recognizable to me. I didn't want to play it because it just looked exhausting. <laughs> because that's a lot of his stuff is just visually exhausting. Um, yeah, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but he's a he's a fascinating personality in game design, and and. If nothing else proves that these people love that era of uh, culture in the UK and the time that time in video games, getting Jeff Mintner or Minter Jeff Minter to play your out there character is just about the best choice you could make. Oh yeah, no doubt about that. So it was very very nice to see Jeff there. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, yeah. If, if you're doing some, if you're doing a show about eighties game design, set in the UK of all places, yeah, in Britain specifically, yeah, yeah. Then he Mint is your guy. Yeah, or, you know, I mean, if you know, anyone were to have a cameo, yeah. Well, maybe Sid is Sid Mayer British. You know, I can't even remember. All I know about him, to be honest, is every time someone says it, my brain automatically ends it with pirates. Or civilization. Oh, he's Canadian. He's Canadian. Okay. Oh, well, fuck him, man. He can't be in Bandersnatch. Fuck off, Sid Meier. Go back to America's hat. Yeah, go, go, go fucking do the Canadian version. Boonda Snooch. <laughs> I say that. I, I rarely can tell the difference between Canadian and American accents. Uh, well, that's... Unless it's Trailer Park Boys, then I can really pick it up. The, the American Midwest has a lot, you know, like in certain areas, I mean, it's just, it's so similar. You know, you get into your Wisconsin or your Minnesota, your Dakotas sometimes even. That's it, yeah. Like, I'm better at it now, having been in this country for so long. Mm -hmm. I can pick it up better. Certainly when I was in the UK, there was literally no difference to me. Yeah. I'm sure many people currently in the UK would maybe say the same thing. Where it's like, Canadian and American, it's the same accent. Yeah, I can see where you'd get that thought, yeah. get that impression. Of course, we have so many 
just we're such a big nation. There's so many different accents in America too. Well, that... That's it. Well, I mean, there are I want to say what feels like hundreds of different accents in Britain, as tiny right. as the country is. Yeah. Two towns over, someone could sound completely fucking different. Mm-hmm. I think it's because we're all inbred. We stuck to our own, so we all had our own languages. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so do you have anything else to say about Bandersnatch? I don't really. And this is already going to be a heck of an edit because yeah. of like background stuff. So probably best to. I, I really think as as branching as it is, you think maybe we could do like another two hour one on this. But not really. The format of it precludes uh, a, an effective linear description of events. Yeah. So a more freeform discussion like we've had that just sort of hops up and down the plot really is the best way to do it. And you don't need to take too long to get through, well, what we needed to say. Yeah. No, I mean, I think we've hit yeah. pretty much all of the major relationships and characters in it. And Yeah. We've already gotten past whether we think it's good or not. Yeah. I mean, I, I did like it. Yeah. I, I can't say I adored it. I At, liked it. Even for all, for all my frustrations uh, with it initially and then maybe even later viewings, uh, it I, I respect it and I admire the effort. Yeah. It is what a, an, a, a feat. <laughs> uh, and and so viewed from that perspective, uh, I mean, it could have been anything, and to get this level of execution would have been amazing. Um, it's certainly not perfect, and I, I I'm probably never going to watch it again. Uh, and like you said, probably not talk about it after this point. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, uh, there are some Black Mirror episodes I could go back to time and again. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, this one possibly because of the extra, the extra little effort involved in really Feels participating like in it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a participatory thing rather than something you can more easily just put on and watch. Yeah, which is fine, but it does mean that you know if I want if I'm putting on Netflix for passive entertainment, I'm not going to pop on Bandersnatch. I'll watch more episodes of Z Nation and have a horrible time. I just started watching Barry. It's on HBO. It stars Bill Hader mm-hmm. as a hit as a contract killer. He's a, a he's a former soldier in Afghanistan and comes home and becomes a contract killer working for his dad's friend. And on a trip to Los Angeles to kill a guy for some Chechens, his target turns out to be in an acting class that he gets roped into and he catches the acting bug. Huh. It is, it's written, directed, and starring Bill Hader, and I watched the first season yesterday, the whole first season. Yeah. In in one go, I think it's only like eight ten episodes a season. It is hilarious. Uh, I really really recommend it. It is very very funny. Hmm. Um, very dark. Um, there's an actor in it. I don't remember his name. He was in the Fox Gotham series. As uh, uh, Victor Zaz. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. I remember him as Zaz. He is phenomenal. 
Yeah, and in, in that he is just like, because he has a look, right? He's got that oh, absolutely. bald yeah. sort of creepy, sinister thing going on. And you look at him and that's what you think. His character in this, however, is so friendly. He's like, can I get you a submarine sandwich or maybe a beer? And he's, <laughs> and he's amazing. His name's Noho Mike. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Really check that out uh, if you have, I have to, access yeah. to an HBO subscription. Because my wife got HBO for Game of Thrones. I literally did the exact same thing two weeks ago. We, yeah. We'd let it run out for a while, and then Game of Thrones was back, and I was like, right, yep. arm twisted, back on. Yep. I just, I didn't, you know, cancel out of choice or anything. It just ran out, and I was like, meh. I'll pick it up later at some point, and then once season eight kicked off, I was back in. And there is a lot of good stuff on there, though, that I want to... Well, yeah, that's the thing. Now that we have it, and, yeah. you know, I'm I'm taking advantage of it. I mean, there's a ton of great documentaries that HBO produces that are available there, and all sorts of... of act- HBO makes great shit, so that's... I mean, they make some not great shit, too, I'm sure, but... Um, yeah. But damn, that Barry. But they, they're, they're, the freedom they have to make what they want has led to a lot of good yep. stuff. Yep, and Barry is definitely it. It's their thirty-minute episode, so it's it's tight. It's focused on the comedy. The characters are great. Um, definitely, check I might need to check that out. Yeah, because I am, I am watching total garbage at the moment for n- no good reason. Mm-hmm. I think it's just that it it stops me having to commit to anything. Yeah, because I'm one of them people that will scroll Netflix for hours, afraid. For some reason, to just try something on that is costing me nothing but ten minutes to check it out. Apparently, every decision has to be the right one. Oh, my and then I end the up making way. nothing but bad decisions because that's easier than trying to make a good one. So then it is. I'll watch a terrible original sci-fi show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. S Y F Y. They could fuck off. I remember when they changed that. I was just like. Fuck's wrong. I remember as well. I mean, it just defied all sense. It was so they could get away with showing things like ECW. Yeah. It, that's all it was. Yep. Yep. Pieces of shit. Now, I, uh, I, I do, I do, uh, I do think you could make better choices. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. Original programming. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I watched all of Black Summer. Oof. Which was a Netflix prequel to a shitty sci-fi series. Oof. Which I hadn't watched. But That's... I went back to watch more of it. And I don't know why, because Black Summer is sort of awful. A really good first episode that should have just been a 40-minute special one-off. Right. And then just by the episode six, you realise that... No, no, no. There are three other episodes that needed to have happened before this to explain why everyone trusts each other and why they're now going on a daring heist when literally the last episode they just met up and were still confused and scared by the zombie outbreak. Very next episode, they're attacking some weird dystopian futuristic nightclub. It's so weird. And then I thought, right, I want more of that. And I don't know why. (laughs) <laughs> there are many good things I want to watch but don't want to commit to. So I make terrible life choices, Conrad. Well, the other thing that uh, now um, that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is over, uh, the whole series is on Netflix. And that is a show. 
Is that good? You know, here's the thing. If you like musical theater at all, you you should watch it. Like, 100% should watch it. I like offbeat musical theater. It is, Little Shop of Horrors is one of my favorite things. Yeah, you should watch it. Um, because right, every episode it is every episode is has at least one, if not two, full blown musical numbers in it. All right, and and it and they're funny. Um, they're, they are, but it is, <laughs> mm. but it does handle things like uh, it has it has it addresses mental health issues in some really interesting ways and and ways that you don't see done on television. That's really positive. Okay. Um, it is, yeah, it's it's interesting. I was not sold on it at first, but I do another podcast uh, with uh, Jake Spencer, a podcast called Of Horse, talking about BoJack Horseman. And as sort of a warm-up for that, uh, and to sort of, like, get our chemistry going, that cast, we did a few other shows. We did some episodes of other shows that we liked to sort of give impressions of our point of view on comedy. And Jake Spencer had us watch um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the pilot of that. And I wound up, I, I, I wasn't that into it after the pilot. I was like, oh, okay, well, this it's a musical. But then because once I start watching something, I'll just keep watching until I reach an end point. Yeah. I watched the whole first season and I was like, okay, I get it. I totally get it and was on board. Uh so I will I will have to watch. I've been waiting for the fourth season to end so that I could watch it uh, and see how it concludes. Hmm. Uh, but it's very funny. The songs are largely great. And and she's just such a talent. Um, I, and I only mean I don't mean to say that in the ironic, detached, you know, silly sort of way that that we often do. Uh, yeah. You mean literally such a talent? Literally such a talent. Hmm. So yeah. Well, you got me. You got my attention on that one. Yeah. I, they have a whole song about period sex. All right. Well, now I'm definitely watching. Yep. Yep. I don't know if it'll be quite as good as Soft Dick Spear, <laughs> which I have now also decided will be a musical. <laughs> He'll have to sing Hadaway's "What Is Love" while smearing his dick. Oh, well, to the beat. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's not a slap, it's a drag. It's a slow drag. Oh yeah, yeah, like he's it's a slimy soft smear. Oh. That may or may not leave residues. Lady don't hurt me. Yeah. Don't hurt me no more. So what are we going to do next time when we do this? Well, we didn't actually discuss that. We for- normally we discuss that beforehand. We do, um, and we did forget. Um, and I, my mind was racing hurriedly um, to think of things. And I'm trying to remember. That should tell you how good the series has been up to now. I'm trying to remember. Did we do the third blood ring? Not yet, because I don't recall. Getting to the Nazis, which was the point of the Blood Rain game. That's correct. At least the first one. It took three movers to finally get to Nazis after fucking around with medieval shit and cowboys. So I'm up for that. It's been a, quite a while since we did an Uberball film. It has, yes. It's been, uh, let's see, when did we do one last? Uh, That's probably a thousand years ago. 
I'm looking back through them here, and yeah, I mean, it's been a very long time since we did. Yeah, very long time. So yeah, I think it's in called... the name of the king too. I think was the last one we did. Oh blimey! Like... There's another one of them we could do as well at some point. Although by that point there is no video game connection left. Oh wait, no, Far Cry. He produced Far Cry. Oh yeah, yeah. he had some involvement, sure. If not directing, then production. But even still, that was like 20-odd episodes ago or something. Yeah. Uh, and I, I literally remember not a one thing about it. Cool. So, yeah. Um, Blood Rain 3, I think it's called Blood Rain the Third Reich. I think. <laughs> you are correct. Um, there we are. Um, kind of like how they did the Black Adder series in the UK. Because it was Black Adder, Black Adder the Second, Black Adder the Third, and then Black Adder goes forth. For the World War One one mm-hmm. goes forth. Huh? Hey, very the end. Pleasant. The last episode of Blackadder goes forth. One of the best final episodes in anything, and that's not me saying that like profound wisdom. That's just a historical fact. Everyone in the UK knows it. Um, yeah, very good. You don't even need other contexts to enjoy Blackadder goes forth's final episode. Um, it is just a funny but heartbreaking portrayal of the final moments before going over the top out of the trenches. Um, really good. But anyway, Blood Rain the Third Reich is not going to have the same emotional impact as Blackadder goes forth, but we're going to try anyway. We're, we're going to try and, and, and be touched and warmed by Blood Rain the Third Reich. <laughs> so that'll be next time. Um, roughly two weeks, though, of course, we've, especially lately, as we've got um, other recordings and job related things and certainly in my life an endless stream of bullshit to get through um so things are delayed of of course um it used to be every every other tuesday Mm -hmm. now it's like sometimes a friday (laughs) and i don't mean sometimes it is a friday i mean sometimes you'll get an episode (laughs) um (laughs) sorry about that but then again this is always a bonus thing so yeah don't don't try don't try and small print me on this busters, um, but yeah we will be back with with Blood Rain the Third Reich, uh, God help us all. Thank you and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.